All right, that does it. I am all in on the Anaheim guy. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Penguins 3, Jets 1. Penguins 3-0 and on this Canadian trip. And I dare say that this outcome was the most impressive of the group. I know most people would point to the one in Toronto because the Maple Leafs tend to be overhyped into oblivion. But that's not what I saw. The first period of this game, I saw the Jets just flying, breaking out of their own zone at will. This was something, needless to say, that Montreal didn't do. The Canadians are down, but the Maple Leafs never did. The Jets looked dangerous with every touch of the puck, and it's only because of Tristan Jari, and I mean only, that they didn't take command of this game right off the bat. But they didn't. And the Penguins, to their inestimable credit, just gradually found themselves in the first 10-11 minutes of the second period and just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And there was a power play, and they pushed a little bit more. That was when Jason Zucker scored. And then game's tied, and they start finding themselves, and they need somebody to come up big with the tie score in the third period. And it ended up being the Anaheim guy. Again, Danton Heinen. Really good play by Chad Ruedel to get the puck to the net. Better play by Dominic Simone to redirect it, which made sure that Connor Hellebuck couldn't control the rebound. And boom, Heinen's there, finishes. That's how his finishes look, don't they? They look like boom. They look like they're no mistake, like it's something he does as easily as breathing. And you wonder how this guy has never really had any kind of a breakout somewhere. But it would be okay, I'm sure, in the eyes of the Penguins, and particularly Ron Hextall, if he had that now. He certainly sounds as if he's found a home. I mean, uh, that's what you hope hope to do. Um, I think they've they've done a great job being patient with me and just learning learning the systems and stuff. And um, yeah, the guys have all been great. So I think that's credit to everybody here, just just to make me feel comfortable. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's been good so far. I'm here to take all the lumps for those of you who uh, have been listening to this show for a while and go back to the summer and the off season. You'll recall that my derisive term, the Anaheim guy was aimed repeatedly at Heinen and a signing that I found to be questionable, bordering on ill-advised, even though he wasn't expensive. He was $1.5 million for one year. Hextall described the signing of Heinen at the time as a value signing. And what he meant by that, obviously, was 
we don't even necessarily need this player. It's not something that our depth chart is screaming for, but we're not going to walk away from him at that price. And it's an interesting approach. It's, it's not something that you hear a lot about in sports. It's almost always, oh, here's a hole. Let's fill that. Here's another hole. Let's fill that. Okay, all done. Heinen, at the time he was signed, looked like he might have been on the fifth line. I'm not going to change my tune on that in hindsight. That's what it looked like at the time. But I absolutely, 100%, will eat all of the words that would have criticized the player himself or the acquisition itself, because both have been very, very good. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the very good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania, and they, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 from you can be turned into five full meals. $1 equals five meals. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. There's so much good to cull from a trip like this. I can't make that singular point strongly enough. It's not just about the standings. It's not just about uh, a winning streak. It's about where the Penguins were when they embarked for Montreal and where they are when they're flying home this morning from Manitoba. Two diametrically opposed positions. They left trying hard to build up a really dominant period against a crappy team, a crappy Buffalo team, in a loss. And it felt at least a little bit like being desperate, and not in the good hockey way of saying desperate. But they went up there and they performed. The whole team. Tristan Jari did too. And as great as he was on this trip, giving up one goal the entire time, I I have a little bit of a concern that he's going to end up getting too much of the credit for it because all you had to watch was this game to see how important the entire team concept was because the Penguins and their legs specifically were not into this. Uh, Not from a desire standpoint or anything, just sometimes you don't have it. They didn't have it. Maybe it's because they had the day off uh, Sunday here, um, you know, and the Jets had kept skating and skating and whatever else. They had a practice Sunday, then they had a full skate uh, yesterday. You know, they came out fresher. Maybe that was it. But whatever it was, you saw what the imbalance looks like. It's to Jari's credit, obviously, that he was able to to weather that storm. But to, to give him all of this, to give him this whole trip, doesn't, doesn't feel right for me. There was way more than that going on. There was a team-wide 1 through 18 on the skaters' commitment to playing the game a certain way. 
it can be, I believe, a foundation. Doesn't mean they're going to win every game they play the rest of the way. Doesn't mean they're going to beat the Canucks tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena in the uh, trademark first home game after a, a road trip that always usually usually anyway goes bad. It doesn't mean that, but it can be something on which they can build, that they can cite. Remember that. Remember how you played on the Florida trip to open the season. Well, remember the Canada trip. Now you have something. And I brought this up with Mike Sullivan afterward. Yeah, you know, one of the things, we're, we're trying to get better every day. We're trying to get better every game. You know, it's nice to get get a, a, a few wins in a row here to build some traction, to build some team confidence. I think it provides a lot of evidence for us that if we play a certain way, we can get consistent results. And so, you know, for me, that's that's an important aspect. If we're asking our guys to play the game a certain way, you know, I, I think the, the buy-in certainly helps when you, when you get the results consistently. And, uh and I give the players, you know, so much credit because they're competing out there. You know, they're competing hard. They're playing hard for one another. And I think when we do that, we're a competitive hockey team. The man is an elite coach. I will say that at their most down point. I will say that when they go through a 2-6-2 and two funk, and I will say it right now. He is an elite coach. The team is looking better. Good for him. Good for them. Good for Dan Heinen. And hey, you know what? Maybe it's a hockey season again, huh? When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels and right now Fubo TV is offering our listeners a 7-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to fubotv.com/dk. Jessica Lynn has today's J1Q. She asks how does the person whose job is coaching the power play still have a job? It's embarrassing. Um, first of all, the person whose job it is to coach the power play is Todd Reardon. He's eminently qualified to hold that job. Uh, the second thing I'll say is that the power play is showing some signs of progress, though that didn't happen here and that's a little disheartening because the Jets have the second worst penalty killing in the NHL. There were a couple of saves on the power play, uh, really good ones by Connor Hellebuck, but it, not to the extreme where you'd say that that was the difference. The power play just still isn't clicking. I asked Sullivan what has to happen for this power play to get going. So we're just trying to focus on the process, you know, and, and uh, you know, we've, we've had stretches where we felt it's been really good and they're getting a lot of looks and they're getting a lot of quality chances and they're, they're doing all the little things that give them an opportunity to have success, like winning face-offs and puck retrievals and, you know, and, and release plays or, you know, puck support off of the retrieval. So we have the ability to, 
to sustain uh, the offensive zone and, and to keep uh, possession. So we're, we're trying to do a lot of, you know, to focus on, on the little things that, that set a power play up for success. We're trying to shoot the puck. We're trying to establish a point shot. We're trying to get net traffic. Uh, you know, it, it's all of those little things, I think, give the power play an opportunity to be at its best. And so, you know, we, we've had stretches where it, it's been really good. A lot of those, those elements are in play, and we haven't necessarily got rewarded for it. Um, you know, and, and we've had our moments. I don't, I don't think we executed as well in the power play that we had in, in Toronto, but we didn't have a lot of opportunity either. And so that, that, that's, a, you know, that's a tough one to, to assess, right? So we're looking at the, the kind of the big picture or the body of work over the last handful of games. And for the most part, the power play has had a lot of looks. And so we're just trying to encourage them to stay with it. And, uh, you know, we, we, need to, we need to keep a resilient mindset and just continue to focus on the things that give us an opportunity to have success. I mean, that's really it. I mean, you can look at this a couple of different ways. You can look at it and say, all right, the Penguins are the worst power play in the league. This is just awful. Or you can say, really? You know, it's Sidney Crosby, Jeff Carter, Chris Letang, Jake Gensel, and Brian Rust. They're going to score on the power play. This will happen. Uh, This is not something that anybody has to wonder about or worry about. It's going to happen. It's a matter of time, and ideally, you'd like to keep winning while you're figuring things out. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in uh, reversion to the mean. It's something that advanced analytics get into a lot, that if you're a 300 hitter in baseball and you're hitting 200, you're, you're about to go on a really nice roll because it's what you've always done. And the Penguins are going to get power play goals. And when they do, it's likely that they will come in bunches. Not because of superstition or intangibles, but because they have players who've done that before. And I'm not even mentioning the seemingly imminent return of Evgeny Malkin. They're going to get their goals, Jess. This is, this is not... Let me put it this way. I used to joke uh, that the best thing that could ever happen to the Penguins was Sidney Crosby going into a scoring slump because it was the most inevitable thing to reverse itself. So all you had to do was just wait for it, and it was going to be something that carried you for a few games, even if other things went wrong. Well, right now, it's the only thing that's going wrong for the Penguins, and it's an optimal thing to have going wrong. That said, I'm sure they'd all feel a whole lot better if they started popping a few. No question about that. I appreciate the question, Jess. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, particularly um, on this long trip. Uh, It can be a little weird trying to record these shows in different settings and at different times to make sure that they're up and available for you uh, very first thing and that they have all the latest information and quotes and feedback and all that other stuff. But um, it's, it's, it's wonderful to get that input back from you, whether it's on our site, DK Pittsburgh Sports, on YouTube, uh, wherever it is that, that you happen to listen to this. I appreciate it. Believe me on that. Uh, let's do it again tomorrow.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.